We are in the middle of a series of messages called Anchor Verses. And if you've been here the last couple weeks, have you been enjoying this series? Anchor Verses. It's been awesome. The last two weekends, uh, we, we've been focusing one verse each weekend, something to hold on to uh, through the winds and the waves that life may bring. The first weekend, if you remember, we focused on, Pastor Rob taught, Romans 8, 28, 8, 28. And then last weekend, we talked about 2 Timothy 1, 7. I'd love to read those two verses. The point of doing this is that we would memorize these verses, that we would put them in our heart so that when the time comes where it's needed, where we find ourselves in a situation, we need something to hold on to, we have it in our heart, ready to go. Romans 8, 28. In the ESV, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Great anchor verses. I was thinking about this this week. Some verses are like an anchor that will keep you where you need to be, where you can stand firm through the storm. And some verses, you know, if you think about what an anchor looks like, I, was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking about it, but an anchor kind of looks like a grappling hook. And uh, it's not just anchor verses that keep us where we are, but a grappling hook that we can shoot and it will anchor somewhere far off into the distance and it will get us where we need to go. This week's anchor verse, Psalm 37.4, is a grappling hook verse. It's an anchor verse. Let's read this together. Not just verse 4, but verses 1 through 9. It says this. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Here's verse 4, the anchor verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let's say it together. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. And your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. We're about to share the title of this message in this series, uh, but felt confirmation to kind of go this direction with this verse. As we talk about delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Pastor Rob last week shared a quote from William Booth, and I'd like to read it again. William Booth said, Look well to the fire of your souls, for the tendency of fire is to go out. The title of this message is, It's Not About the Fire. It's not about the fire. 
Let's pray, and then we're going to find out what that means. Lord, we thank you for your presence right now, that we get to be a part of this church, that over this back half of the summer, we are focusing on memorizing Scripture. And we thank you that your word is the authority by which our lives should be governed, and we're following your word through thick and thin, through highs and lows, through ebbs and flows. Lord, we are following your word. And Lord, right now we empty ourselves. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us. Fill us. Fill us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. Have you ever uh, opened a Christmas present early? Be honest, we're in church. Got some parents looking around. They're teenagers. There was this one year, I, uh, there was a gift that I wanted so bad. In fact, I felt like I was made for this gift. Like this, this thing that I wanted, I was made for it. In fact, I wanted it so bad that I opened it early. And uh, when I opened that box of Heelys, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's okay. Heelys are a pair of shoes that you can run, you can run in them, but they also have a little wheel in the heel, and you can cruise on them, and I was made for Heelys, and I wanted these so bad. Christmas was coming, and I couldn't wait. I opened those shoes early, and I rode those things just cruising around in a garage. It's dead of winter. But I was like, I gotta break these out in the streets. And so I'm I'm rolling through slush, I'm rolling through sand, I'm rolling through everything. I was made for these Heelys, it was the greatest time of my life. Pack them back up. (laughs) Clean them off, you know. Open them on Christmas, put them back on. The the bearings rusted. (laughs) And uh they, they just, they weren't working anymore. <laughs> Could, couldn't even roll on it. They wouldn't even spin one rotation. You ever had that experience where you, you do something not in the right season and it screws everything up? My daughter, Adley, she was made for the summer. She was made for summer. And she's got her best friend right across the street. And her, whenever her friend comes over, she gets so excited. I mean, so excited. Because, I don't know where you live, but in our neighborhood, it feels like everybody, everybody has an inflatable water park in their backyard. <laughs> I looked it up. I mean, these things are like eight, $900, and uh, we don't. So Adley gets so excited because when her friend comes over, she's going to the water park in her friend's backyard. And so she, she runs up, she, and she's like, Dad, Mom, can I go play? 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 She's so excited, and as soon as we say yes, she forgets everything that she's doing, and she starts running like dead sprint, but she's got to cross the street, and so we've been trying to teach her. Hey, you were made for summer. This summer's going to be awesome, but you need to slow down. Why? Because if she is so excited, caught up for the thing that she feels like she was made to do, she will forget to look both ways as she crosses the street. 
You got to teach a hard lesson to a six-year-old saying, if you don't look both ways, there is a chance that you will get hit by a car. And isn't it amazing that sometimes we run after the thing that we felt like we were made for, and it causes us sometimes to disobey what the Lord is telling us to do. It causes us to drop everything that we're doing and run after that thing. But the thing that we're running after, if we're not careful in following God's timing, knowing what season, like riding Heelys in the dead of winter through snow, it could kill us. We're talking about it's not about the fire. In this grappling hook verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And culture... What we live in today tells you delight yourself in your desires. And you'll get your desires. Trust in yourself and your own experience. Do what you want to do. Figure out your truth. Find yourself. Go get it. Delight yourself in your desires. But that's not what the word of God says. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Culture says it's all about the fire. And if there's not a bonfire happening in your life, in whatever area, the workplace or your marriage or in parenting or the thing that you're pursuing or the big dream in your heart, if it's not happening, there's something wrong. There's something broken. There's something not right. And you should just give it up and quit or you should move forward. There's something wrong if there's not a fire. And I want to tell you today, there may not be anything wrong. As you delight yourself in the Lord and you wait patiently for him. The Bible says that the meek, the calm, the content, those that have a conviction of moral living, biblical living, those that are quietly peaceful, they will inherit the earth. Culture says it's all about the fire, but the Bible says it's not about the fire. But we have a job to do. What is the fire? First of all, there's a spark of salvation. Spark of salvation. When you give your life to the Lord, you go from dead in your trespasses and alive in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says you were dead in your trespasses, but you've become alive in Christ. And we believe that. We believe that when we give our life to the Lord, it's like we are resurrected, alive in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You're alive. There's a spark. When you give your life to Christ, there's a flame going. There's a fire going. It's something that's building up. It's our job, like we said, to tend to that fire. To tend to the fire. It's not about focusing on the big season, the big bonfire. It's about tending. It's about tending. And we'll get into it. Not just the spark of salvation, but the dreams that are in your heart. What is the fire? Let's build a fake fire over here. Cool? Right here. The fire is the dreams that God's placed in your heart. Think about right now the greatest thing you could ever do for the kingdom. Thinking about how has God wired me? What has he created me? What are the passions that I have? How could I be used by God? Think about the greatest thing you could ever do for the kingdom. And what's cool is God's got even greater in store for you. The biggest thing that you think you could do for the kingdom. God's got even more for you. And that's the bonfire of life. That is the fire of life. But it's not about 
the fire. It's about tending to that fire. How do you, how do you tend to it? You tend to it by picking up twigs. We're going deep into a metaphor. Everybody okay with that? I just stepped in the fire. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like broke somebody's brain in here. Like, well, don't do that. Careful. The way, the way that, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The focus is not just saying, God, I want a bonfire season. I'm ready for the bonfire. I'm, I'm, re- I'm ready to be used by you in great ways. I've got, I've got gifts. I've got talents. I'm ready to be unleashed for the kingdom of God. Give me the bonfire. But that's not the right way to live. Because if you're focused on, on trees, again, we're going deep. If you're focused on just cutting down whole trees, you're not going to get them every day. It's, life's not like that. Not every day. Think about marriage. You go on your honeymoon, you're like, this is awesome. Like cutting down trees left and right, throwing it up. It's like bonfire. Woo! Marriage is awesome. And then you come home from the honeymoon, and you find out, like, where'd the trees go? And that's, that's, that's not like, that's reality. That's reality. That's life. That's life. But, but what's crazy is, The Bible teaches us to learn to love faithfulness. It says feed on his faithfulness. And you'll learn. You're going to grow and love faithfulness. And so a lot of times in marriage, it's just coming home. And being faithful. And it's twig days. And so God will tell you, hey, honeymoon was awesome, but now you got to take out the trash. Now you got to help clean the dishes. Now you got to help be a parent. Now you got to get into it. Now you got to talk about your relationship. Now you got to solve problems. And those are twig days. And God will say, hey, you want the bonfire in the trees, but I'm asking you to go pick up twigs. And sometimes he'll tell you, hey, today is a twig day. And you got to walk around picking up twigs, which if you're not thinking through the lens of the kingdom of God, you will hate those days and you will neglect those days. And you're not going to pick up twigs. And, but God says, pick up the twig, bring it back. Bring it back. Put it on the fire. You need to tend to the fire. It's not about the bonfire season. It's about keeping the coals in your life hot. Let's add fuel to the fire. Let's add, if God's given me a twig, I gotta, I gotta pick up the twig. I gotta be faithful. I gotta be faithful. This looks like, this looks like in serving people, it's like getting a 3 a.m. call and being the friend that you need to be. This is like being the parent that you need to be, giving time and energy, being the, the spouse that you need to be, being the leader, be, giving words of encouragement to the person that annoys you at work. Like you need to be used by God and not every day is tree cutting season. But it's picking up twigs. Everybody cool with the metaphor so far? All right. It's the dreams in your heart, the big things that God's created you to do. Twig days look like this spiritually. Spending time in the word of God. Not every day is it like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Whoa, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Whoa, wow. There are days like that, and it's revelation. And it is life-changing. But the Bible also says about itself that the Bible is alive and active. And just opening it and reading it and shutting it, you don't know what you're infusing into your life, and it's like picking up a twig. I'm just picking up a twig. I'm spending time in the Word of God every single day, day after day after day. Some days are amazing. New revelation. 
Other days, I'm putting in time with God. I'm putting in time with God. And you will learn to love it. You will learn to crave it. Not just craving the the massive revelation, but craving this time with the Lord. Spending time in the Word of God. Next one, spiritual twigs, is spending time in prayer. In prayer. And not everybody here is... uh, like intercessory prayer, like just put me, in, put me in it for five hours, I'm ready to go. You're like, I, well, I, I'm just not great at that. Well, if you've got five minutes, give it five minutes. I'm thankful for the gift of speaking in tongues because for me, I, my, my mind starts, my, I get distracted and it's like I, I'm, I have a tough time. You, can, you guys can tell. <laughs> and so you know what? I can pray the perfect will of God. By speaking in a prayer language, the gift of tongues. Spiritual twigs is serving in local church. Serving, serving. Whatever it is, whatever you do, whether that's greeting or cafe or going on a global team or giving generously, whatever gifts God's given you, use them in the church. And it may not always be like, oh, they asked me to preach. But it's, they asked me to set up rows of chairs. There's a way to learn to love it. Nobody should hold a microphone if they're above setting up rows of chairs. Rows, like, that's amazing. God used me in the twig days, in the twig days. I remember we had River Valley Conference a few weeks back. And we had uh, churches from all around the country come. River Valley Conference were pouring in, hey, this is what we do. We want to learn from you. This is awesome. We had spiritual moments. And I was asked to pray for needs of pastors, which is when you have 700 people in the room in today's day and age, that, that's like that's a huge group of people worshiping God. It's amazing. And, and I get to pray for needs. This is awesome. But if that was the thing, that's the fire. That's the thing that, yes, I was created to do that. But I, but I neglect the twig days. If I neglect my family. If I'm ne- then, then all of this doesn't matter. All of it doesn't matter. I need to do the twigs because you never want to cut down a tree and drag it over cold coals. That's called the oversized gift. You've got a great gift, but you don't have the character to back it up. And so you get platformed, and then you get knocked off that platform because there's no character development. Everybody wants to talk about influence. Nobody wants to talk about character development. And that's what twig days Twig day after twig day, you're tending to the heat of the coals, making sure they're hot so that the day God says, go cut down the tree, there are hot coals ready to burn it. And so I'm praying over needs and feel like, man, I feel like I was created to do that. That's awesome. But my wife was having one of the worst days of her life with all four of our children. And I go home and learning this lesson I would give all of this up to just make sure that I'm doing my job as a husband, as a father. Hey, you've got it. I'm with you. I'm fighting with you. I'm praying for you. I'm rebuking every devil. I'm doing my job. And I love that more than this. And you learn to just love every single day, not just bonfire days. This psalm is talking about multiple ways of approaching life. One approach is to envy everybody else and the things that they're getting to do. Well, why do they get to do it? I've got gifts too. I'm ready to be used too. Why, 
Why are they advancing? Why, why did they get the promotion? Why did they get the pay raise? Why, why did they get the inflatable water park in the backyard? Why, why do they get to do that? One way to approach life. But the other is delighting in the Lord. And watch Him give you the desires of your heart. Trusting in the Lord and doing good. It says, don't fret because of the evildoers. Don't, don't worry about everybody else. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's learning to love the will of God more than the things of this world. We live in a culture of comparison. I'm just comparing my life to everybody else. Let's get rid of that. It will ruin your life. What's God called you to do? What's his will for your life? And watch him move forward your life like a grappling hook. Don't delight yourself in your desires, but in the Lord. We're going to close here in a second. And I'd love to end in worship so if the band could come as well. Think about the Bible, these Bible heroes. Heroes that did massive things for the kingdom of God. They're in the Bible. I mean, they, they like made it. They made it in the book. It's going to be an eternal book. These guys made it. It's awesome. They did fiery things. Joseph. Joseph, uh, he had these dreams that he, he would one day rule over his brothers and his father. He told those dreams and got him into a scenario where he was sold into slavery. When did, when did he have those dreams? And then when, when did those dreams come to fruition? They think he was about 17 years old. 17 years old, having the dreams of like, I was made for big things. And you've got, you've got dreams in your heart. Things that God made you for, wired you for, to do big things for the kingdom of God. Hopefully you do, because it's the truth. God made you to do things for his kingdom. And it's amazing. It's beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. He's got great plans for your, your life. Joseph, having those dreams at 17, when did that dream come to fruition? When he was 17 and a half, waited six months? Those six months, there's some people that are like, I've been in this internship for six months. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to plant. I'm ready to go. You've been working, working a job. Like, hey, I've been here, I've been here for, I've been here for one year. I'm ready for the promotion. I'm ready for the, I got, I got more in me. I wish somebody would recognize what's in me. You can identify with this feeling of like this delay. Joseph wasn't until he was 30. We're talking 13 years. 
And maybe there's people in this room that you've been serving Jesus for a long time and you've waited 13 years for something. But isn't it awesome that that thing comes to pass and you know that the Lord made it happen and you didn't force it? Man, that feels good. God, you did this. I didn't, I didn't force this. I'm picking up twigs day after day after day after day after day. I'm tending to the coals. And then 13 years later for Joseph, it's his tree cutting day. Bonfire season. This is amazing. Think about David. King David, anointed to be the next king of Israel, the second king. How old was he when he was anointed? One, one his dad forgot about him out in the pasture. Like you, Samuel's like, you got any more sons? He's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one more. Yeah, yeah, David. David, get in here. And David comes in, and Samuel's like, you God, God said it. You are the next king of Israel. And he's like, dump the oil all over me. This is awesome. I'm the next king. Eat it. He's like talking to his brothers. That's not in the Bible. Pour the oil. Pour the oil. He's 15 years old. When did he become the king? Wasn't until he was 30. So Joseph waited 13 years. David waits 15 years for the bonfire, for the tree cutting season, where it comes to pass. Man, I'm, I've, been waiting for, I've been waiting four years. I've been, four years and I don't have my dream home yet. Don't have my dream job yet. No, nobody's looking at me. Nobody sees me. God saw David. He'll see you. Think about Jesus. This one is crazy. Think about Jesus. Son of God. Born of a virgin. But he wasn't, he wasn't born, like fully God, fully man. He wasn't born all-knowing like as a baby. Like he wasn't like, he wasn't like a two-year-old toddler like, Cheryl, I know what you did. Bobby, you're doing great. Keep it up, you know. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature. He grew. But at some point, he, he realized, he knew that at some point, he knew that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One. The one who came to save all of humanity. To make a way where there was no way. When did he know? We're not exactly sure, but there's a story when he was 12 years old. And his parents forgot him for three days in Jerusalem, which is... I don't know how that happens. I mean, that's, that is like, you're going to lose your kids if that happens today. You can't, you, can't, you can't forget your kids for three days. And they're like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? We lost him. We don't know where he is. And they make it back to the temple. And Jesus is, is teaching at 12 years old. And they're like, what were you doing? What were you doing? In my mind, Jesus goes, what were you doing? Mom? He didn't say that. He said, don't you know, at 12 years old, don't you know that I need to be about my father's business? Not talking about his earthly father. Talking about his heavenly father. He knows he's the Messiah. 12 years old. When did he perform his first miracle? When he was 30 years old. Think about the Son of God. You've got big dreams for your life. 
You're not the son of God. You're going to do great things. With the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said you'll do even greater things than he did. Big things, big things, you will. But Jesus is 12 years old and waits 18 years to perform his first miracle. How many blind people did he walk by at 13 years old, at 14 years old? How many people that couldn't walk, he saw them? Knowing that he was the answer, knowing that he had the power and the authority, it was him, he, he's the solution. How many people, how many needs did he see? Yet he waited for the will of the Father. Your will, not mine. Your timing, not mine. He waited 18 years. And in God's perfect timing, he completed everything he was called to do. What are the dreams in your heart? What has God created you to do? That's, that's the fire. But it's not about the fire. It's about the will of the Father. Today is a twig day. I'm going to learn to love this. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to throw it on the fire. Tomorrow, another twig day. By the way, Jesus, during his ministry, had twig days. Think about it. He had to walk everywhere. Not every day was like revival day. It was like, oh, we got to walk five days, you know, in twig days. But if you keep the coals hot in your life, if you keep them hot in your life, God's going to give you a chainsaw and it's tree cutting season. You want to make sure that those coals are hot to have the bonfire. But even then, in the middle of a bonfire, it's not about the fire. It's about the next day. I got more twigs, and I love it. I love this life following Jesus. It's the greatest adventure of all time, the most thrilling thing. There is a way to feed on his faithfulness and to love and enjoy faithfulness. We're going to sing in just a second. Can we stand to our feet? Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have created people in this room right now People watching online, you've created them for great things for your kingdom. And Lord, we pray that those things would come to pass, but they would come to pass living our lives faithful to the will of the Father, that we would do everything you've asked us to do along the way, keeping the coals hot in our life. Because fires tend to go out. Help us keep the coals hot so that we can accomplish in your timing all you've created us to accomplish. Help us live meek. It's a description of Jesus. Calm, content, quietly patient, living biblical lives, moral lives. Help us, Lord. And Lord, I pray for anybody here Anybody that can hear my voice right now that's been pursuing their desires instead of delighting in the Lord, I pray that there would be repentance in our heart and a turning to you. Lord, it's your presence that we want. It's your will that we want more than the desires of our heart. And as we delight in you, Lord, we know that it's going to come to pass the desires of our heart in line with your will. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.